The best blanket ever is also the best gift for Valentine's Day. Get 30% off right now on any regularly priced blankets with code word WELCOME30 at MinkyCouture.com. Take care of that Valentine's gift today by visiting a location near you in Ogden, Layton, Draper, Orm, Sugar House, or St. George. That's Minky Couture on Valentine's Day. Check them out at MinkyCouture.com. Time to welcome in John Corrales, host of Locked On Celtics on the Locked On Podcast Network. John, good morning. Hey, good morning, DJ. What's going on? Well, we are curious about the Boston Celtics and how good they are. And the record says they're 12 and 10. They have been one of the better teams in the conference for a few years now. How good, how good are they? Have they slipped a peg? What's the deal? Yeah, I'm also curious about how good they are because we haven't seen their full team. Uh, it's, it's been a few different iterations of the Celtics. And, and so right now, the Celtics are, are kind of treading water in a lot of ways. They, they spent the first part of their season without Kemba Walker. Um, they, they signed Tristan Thompson, but he came in with an injury. He didn't have a training camp. So we're only just seeing what he can do. Uh, Jason Tatum has missed time due to the health and safety protocols. Jalen Brown's missed a couple of games. Marcus Smart is missing most of this month uh, with the calf strain. So the full strength of the Boston Celtics has not yet been realized at their best. The little that we've seen, they can be in that contender realm, maybe a step below the Lakers and the Jazz, the way the Jazz are playing right now. At their worst, they don't look very good. They don't have a big margin for error. They've got, obviously, superstar-type talent in Jason Tatum, and he's really only starting to scratch the surface of that. Jalen Brown is starting to knock on that door a little bit. But they still haven't figured out how to play with one another now that Jalen Brown has taken that next step. So, really, when you look at the Boston Celtics, there's a lot that this team still has to figure out. And when you look at them from year to year, it seems kind of crazy because Danny Ainge is a wheeler and dealer. We all know him from being out here and talked to him many times over the years. But it seems like there's been a little struggle with continuity from season to season to allow this group, whatever group it might be, to develop to its full potential. Can we say this group, and I realize there's guys been in and out of the lineup, as you've been saying, but is this the group that Ainge and his guys plan to have for a couple years, or is going to be more changing of the roster? Uh, Wow, you're asking me to predict a lot there. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know that Danny Ainge is done. I mean, he obviously has a traded player exception. They they lost Gordon Hayward, so they have basically a $28.5 million coupon to spend on another player without sending uh, back anything in return if they don't have to. So, there's still some question about who they're going to target with that, which teams are going to make certain guys available. So they're certainly going to add a, at least one recognizable name uh, they prefer by the, the trade deadline. Um, there is some question, not that he's looking to shop Kemba Walker, but when you look at the Celtics timeline, they have a 23-year-old and a 24-year-old, and, and those are their two main guys. And Kemba Walker is sitting out there as a, a 30-year-old, and he makes you know, 30 million dollars over the next two years. You have to wonder if an opportunity comes up and Kemba Walker is, is somebody that another team would want, whether Danny Ainge would entertain that. Now, I'm not saying he's looking to shop Kemba, but – it's, that possibility exists. Whenever you have a player that's on a different timeline than the rest of the team, 
that's like, that kind of sticks out a little bit. So you know that Tatum and Brown are going to stay. You have a good feeling that Marcus Smart's going to stay at least for a couple more years. And then it's a matter of can they can they add a a player versus uh, player with the traded player exception that that fits this timeline and and whether Kemba Walker can adjust his game enough to say hey look I'm I'm comfortable being the third guy I can I can stay by you know the, the corners and whatever and adjust my game so I can enhance what they're doing so you don't have to go and and shot me around and search for somebody new. DJ, PK, we're talking Celtics right now with John Corrales, host of the Locked On Celtic Network. Jazz and Celtics coming up tonight. So uh, there's a little bit of a Gordon Hayward obs- obsession here. I, I think it's easing. <laughs> it's easing. It's, you know, they didn't have a ton of success. They didn't win a championship, so some people lightened up. And then he moved on, so some more people lightened up. But no one has completely forgotten him either. Write the final chapter of the Gordon Hayward Boston Celtics story and the, uh, you know, how much was it a mutual decision to part or, or not? Um, I, I, don't, I don't want to say it was mutual. Uh, but I think that it's, it was certainly was nothing to the level of what happened in Utah. I mean, it, it certainly because he was a different player back then. He was the future. And, you know, it was, it was pre-Donovan Mitchell, and you kind of felt abandoned by a guy who's supposed to take you to this level. This conversation that we're having about the Utah Jazz being the hottest team in the NBA and, and the best record was supposed to be the Gordon Hayward-led. Utah Jazz. Now, there was no, after Gordon Hayward's injury in Boston, that kind of all went out the window. So, and, and it feels so long ago, there was a, a Kyrie Irving, you know, dalliance in there. there. There's so many different versions of the Celtics that have existed since then, and, and Hayward never quite got his footing. So, I don't, I'm a, I'm a Hayward believer. Like, I'm not surprised by what he's doing in Charlotte. I, I still think he's very good. But I, I'm, I don't think anybody in Boston was like, well, we just lost the key piece to, to the Celtics making that next step. I think the Celtics having Gordon Hayward would be very helpful because they need a wing like that. But at the same time, he, wasn't, he, he didn't feel like he was getting the full use out of his skills. He wanted to go somewhere to do what he left Utah to do, which was be the main guy, and, and, and make all his money and make all-star teams, and he just wasn't going to be doing that in Boston. He has an opportunity to do that now in Charlotte, and as much as I think the Celtics can use him, it's, it's just a matter of like, all right, if you want to go, you got to go. So we know how that played out. As far as the one of the reasons why it played out, was it just simply the emergence, one, Taylor or, or Tatum, and two, Brown? Yeah, I think I think having seen that this was going to be their team moving forward, like they have, they were clearly the one-two, and Kemba was brought in, and he was going to sort of be the three, uh, as in, in the uh, you know on the totem pole there. And I don't think Hayward was thrilled about the idea. He said he was willing to come back, but I don't think he was thrilled about the idea of just being the kind of overflow offense guy or. I'm going to move the ball and, and do my best to make them look better and put myself behind those guys. That, I, I think that was just one of the driving factors because going to Charlotte, if, if winning was the driving factor, then he wouldn't have gone to the Charlotte Hornets. Like, let's, let's be honest here. 
Um, they're they're looking okay, but there's always going to be some question about whether the Charlotte Hornets are going to make the next move to, to really make that next step. Uh, if he wanted to win, he would have stayed in Boston, or he you know going home to Indiana would have made more sense. So uh, I, I think seeing what was what was coming in Boston and understanding that he was going to be minimized was was part of the fuel. And also, Charlotte gave him a ton more money than I think any other team wanted to give him, and, and that's also important too. John Corrales joining us, host of Locked On Celtics. So we need an outsider's view of how good the Jazz are. What is their ceiling, potential ceiling? Are they a contender, a strong contender? Are the Lakers still the favorite? Well, Help us out. Yeah, I would still put the Lakers as the favorite because they've got LeBron and Anthony Davis. And that, that to me, kind of trumps as far as on paper, what the Jazz have by a little bit. But that's not to say that if it was a Western Conference Finals, Lakers-Jazz, like, yeah, Lakers would be favored, but that would be, in my opinion, a seven-game series. And it, it may depend on whether the Jazz could get home court and, and have that seventh game in altitude, you know, at home. And if, if fans are going to be in there, then that adds another element too. So the, the Utah Jazz, for sure, I think are – are in that list of contenders. They have to be taken seriously. Um, I, I think the change in style where they've been shooting uh, so many threes and making so many threes, I looked at the numbers. The first year of Quinn Snyder's, uh, the first year of Quinn Snyder in Utah, they took 21.7 threes per game. They're now up to 42.1, so they've doubled the, the amount of threes. That's a significant stylistic change. In, in what the Jazz are doing. And because he's looking at his personnel and he's looking at what these, these, these guys can do well, and he says, hey, we're going we're gonna to start shooting these threes. You're shooting them efficiently. And you've got Mike Conley playing great basketball, meshing very well with Rudy Gobert. And I think Royce O'Neal is, is one of the most important unheralded players in the league. I mean, he's doing so much. And I think Royce O'Neal allows the Jazz to win games when one of the other stars, like a Donovan Mitchell, isn't shooting well, if he's having an off night, a guy like Royce O'Neal comes in and does enough to help the team win. So they're very well constructed. They're very well coached. They're disciplined. They know who they are. Uh, those are all factors. Uh, and obviously they've got the high-end talent. But those are all factors that go into a championship team. So the Utah Jazz winning it all this year would not be surprising. So you look at the Celtics as far as this ball game tonight. They're, I think they're five and seven in their last twelve. A lot of win one, lose one type of thing. I think tonight mm-hmm. they're wrapping up what their sixth game or six out of seven on the road and four or five in a row here before they go home. So it doesn't look like they've got injury issues. It doesn't look like on paper that they will put forth much of an inspired effort. But the Jazz are going to miss Conley, and I know the, the Celtics have their injury issues too, obviously. What do you expect out of them in this ball game? Well, I think the Celtics coming off of a very tough loss to Phoenix, uh, I think they're, they're going to be focused. This is the end of a road trip. They get to go home. This is going to be like the, the kind of rallying cry. They know that they're playing the best – team in basketball at the moment so they are uh, I think they're going to be up for the challenge now whether 
the guys that the Celtics rely on can actually live up to that, that's going to be a problem because uh, obviously Tatum, I think Jalen Brown may be back. He's listed as questionable. Kemba Walker needs to, to shoot better than he's been shooting. I mean, those three guys can carry uh, an offense, but it's, it's the other guys that are trying to step up for the injured Marcus Smart. Uh, can one of the guys off the bench, they've been relying on Carson Edwards, Grant Williams. One of these guys, can they do enough to kind of hold off uh, their counterpart on Utah? And can the Celtics pull Rudy Gobert away from the rim enough? They've got Daniel Tice. I think that Daniel Tice has been – first of all, he's been shooting well lately. So I think he can do a decent job of being a threat to, to pull Gobert away and, and open up driving lanes. If they can do that, then they have a chance. It really boils down to can they open up the driving lanes – for Tatum and Brown to get to the rim and draw some fouls. If they can't, if the spacing is bad, and if Gobert's blocking a bunch of shots, then this is going to be a long night for the Boston Celtics. But if they can go out there and, and kind of eliminate the threat of Gobert blocking shots, and if they can, if their role players, if their unheralded guys can come in and play above their heads a little bit, they'll, they'll have a chance. I, I, mean, I still expect the Jazz to win this. They should win this. They're at home. They're a great team. But it, it really – it's hard to say exactly which Celtics team we're going to get, but if we get the good version, then they'll, they'll have a chance. John Corrales, host of Locked on Celtics. John, before we let you go, i, I got to ask you one football question, even though you're doing the Celtics podcast. I'm just curious about how, how Boston-area fans are reacting to Brady winning the Super Bowl. Is the mood in the town there, hey, good for him, he got a six, so whatever he can get in Tampa, good for him? Are they, are they bitter that he's gone? Um, hey, he should have finished here. Uh, we went through a little bit of that with Stockton and Malone here at the end of their career. Stockton finished. Malone played for the Lakers for a year. Uh, how's it going over there? I think, I think generally people are, are kind of like, it's bittersweet. Uh, but I can tell you this. I saw the ratings. The ratings for this game were higher in Boston than they were in Tampa. So there was a ton of interest. And I, I think generally speaking, people are like, well, Brady's done so much for this team that, you know, all right, this is the end of his career. He went and got one somewhere else, kind of proving, uh, you know, Belichick and, and Kraft like a little wrong. Like, I think that they're, they're behind Brady and it's fuel for the, hey, what are we doing over here now? Let's get the Patriots back into, uh, into contention as well. But I, I, there's certainly an element of people who are upset at Brady, but I think by and large people are just happy for him. John, we appreciate the time. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us. And my pleasure. Anytime, guys. John Corrales, you can listen to the Locked On Celtics podcast he does and Locked On NBA on the Locked On Podcast Network. DJ and PK, everything you missed in this show, we'll wrap it up for you next. Stay with us. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Washington to ball. Right side. Catch and shoot three is good. LaMelo ball. Seven threes. A Hornets rookie record tying triple. 
Porzingis against Reed with five to shoot. Puts it on the floor, got by him and to the rim. Going to the floor and laid it up and in, moving from left to right. To the left corner, Murray with two to shoot. Murray's got to fire up a shot in a hurry from the corner. He does, a three-pointer, it's good! DeJounte Murray switches a left corner three at the end of the shot clock. And the Spurs now lead 101-97. Schroeder wants LeBron, gets it to him. Dort has that assignment, and LeBron does spins and slams. <laughs> Spinning slam for the King. Highlights from the night in the NBA. The game that would intrigue most Jazz fans is that Laker game you heard right there. The Lakers toyed with Oklahoma City for a while. Didn't have Anthony Davis. Rally took the lead in the fourth quarter. Messed up in the last few seconds. Fouled, let Oklahoma City force overtime, and then dominated them in OT. At the end of the night, all that really matters is the Lakers. They got the win, and they are a half game behind the Jazz. They fooled around PK, and they were shorthanded, but they were still good enough to get the W. Yeah, I think there's something a little bit more than that because the last two games have gone into overtime. Detroit, double overtime, and maybe there might be a little crack in LeBron if he has to be extended a whole bunch, and maybe it can pay off in terms of the Jazz looking at somebody who's not quite to the level. He's got to slow down at some point, and so if you're going to have the Lakers win, have them do it in overtime. Have them do it in double overtime because that's extending LeBron, and those are hard minutes that he has to play. Maybe, I doubt it, but I'm looking for a silver lining related to the Jazz that uh, maybe it'll show up and he won't be quite at the top of his game if the Jazz and Lakers should play in the Western Conference Finals. Elsewhere, the Suns have won three in a row, six out of seven, and they did it without Chris Paul. They had Devin Booker going for 36. Chris Paul is out injured. Suns beat the Cavs 119-113. There have been different teams in that fourth spot, PK. Clearly there's three big teams in the West. You want to nominate anybody else for fourth, or are they just going to battle and pass it back and forth? If the Nuggets are hot, they get the spot, but they cool off and the Suns get hot, so they get the spot. Is it just going to get passed around? I'm not willing to make a commitment just yet on Team ABC, so I can't say I feel strongly or stronger or strongest about any of these teams that you just mentioned. Uh, you know, I'd put Portland in that mix, too. Uh, they get... Mm-hmm. They get uh, McCollum back. I know Nurkic, I think you made a big deal about that, but if you look at it statistically, Cantor has better stats than Nurkic. That doesn't mean he's a better player, but just looking at the raw stats. But when you're taking two guys out of a starting lineup, well, then that's going to be hard to maintain. And not just two guys here and there, but two guys for a significant portion of time. So let's see when McCollum can get back on that team, particularly when they're so guard-heavy. Uh, so all things being equal, probably like Portland, but I don't know if things will be equal. I don't know who's going to be available. Uh, but, yeah, that, and that's important to look at uh, for a potential second-round matchup if the Jazz should finish with the best record mm-hmm. in the West. And I think we need to legitimately talk about the Jazz finishing with the best record at I least think, now, maybe it changes in a well, month. Well, I, I think there's multiple things. One, they're there now, so you can talk about it now. Two, I think what you say about LeBron is true. No one game is that important, but how much wear and tear can he endure in the regular season and still be at the highest level in the playoffs? And obviously it's a little different with AD out right now. And I mean, it's an Achilles, so you wonder if it's going to be something major. But for now, 
they're acting like it's minor and we'll, we'll assume it's minor and we know guys go through this. Joe just went through this. It doesn't always have to end up being some major injury. Um, but I think, you know, does LeBron get worn down and not be at his best is an interesting storyline. And the fact is, maybe the Lakers won't chase the best record. Maybe they'll end up resting LeBron because they think that. You know, who's to, who's to say what's down the line there? Um, so, but, but I also think even if the Lakers are going to end up as a one seed and the Jazz are going to end up in a 2-3 second round series, well then, who, is, who are the Lakers playing in the second round? And is that team capable of pushing them is also interesting. So no matter how it ends up, I think there's some level of interest in who that fourth team is. Uh, the Nuggets were in that spot, but they've lost four out of five. Their only win in the last five games is the day they hit all those threes and beat the Jazz. Uh, they got beat by the Bucks, 125-112. Chris Middleton, 29 points and 12 assists. A game that was close at halftime, and then the Bucks really dominated the third and fourth quarter, and they pull away and win comfortably. Yeah, when you look at Jordan when he was doing his thing, wasn't he the same age as LeBron is? And didn't it seem like he was totally out of gas when he was winning that last title? I think the so team is a might. Yeah, I think the team as a group was, and I think he individually pushed it right. They pushed right to the edge. So we can hope. Can we pray though? Can we get into the in petitioning? Don't do tomorrow's team? show today. <laughs> Don't do Thursday's show today. Uh, all right, so that's uh, that's most of the big news in the NBA. Jazz and Celtics tonight, 8 o'clock on TNT, so it's a little later than usual. Jazz game night, the pregame show starts at 7 o'clock. Jake Scott and Tim Lacombe at 7 o'clock. What? And then, hold on, hold on. I was preparing. Yeah, for just a minute there, I had you in there, but then I subbed you out. Uh, well, I, let me throw one thing out there. I wonder if Mitchell will have a little extra motivation since he knows it's a TNT game. Yes. How do you not? Nobody wants to be called out by Shaq. Shaq's an icon. He's a four-time champion. Yeah, but if he's on be that called show. out, be called out by by somebody who's a jokester. And then you blow it off, right? But you get called out by somebody who's you know a four-time champion. You you can't forget it. It's not like it didn't happen. I mean, you don't have to make a big deal out of it, but you're human. You haven't forgotten, you know. And I also think I also think he played differently in the first quarter in Indiana. With uh, he knew he had started slow in a lot of games, and he knew Conley was out. And it's like I've got to score, and I got to set guys up for easy hoops. And so I thought there was already a little something there in Indiana. And with Conley out tonight, I think he's going to think that. And you do have the Shack thing. Um, you know, he just narrowly missed the triple double by one rebound. Um, and that's oh, not that's really what they're talking about. I know, but they're talking about, hey, what else do you do to help your team win? Well, get a bunch of offensive rebounds. Win games right. is what you do. Just keep winning. <laughs> just keep winning. <laughs> Who cares what your stats are as long as you're winning? Now, obviously, he's going to need to put stats. But the triple-double has occurred so much now. It's like it doesn't seem it, nearly as important as it nearly as big of a deal. It used to be a big, big deal. Now it seems like guys are getting them left and right. Well, the offensive numbers in the sport have gone way up. It's harder to get a triple-double when games are finishing 94-88. Now we got games finishing 131-124. Try 149-146. There's more points and assists to be had. The rebounds can be tricky, and that's what Mitchell missed. If guys are shooting a higher percentage, and if everybody's got to get back on defense to stop the fast break, rebounds get harder to get. So, but, but to your point, there are more triple-doubles now, and also they haven't always been linked to winning. You know, you can have a bunch of triple doubles, but if you're Bird and Magic having triple doubles, they're the ones who made them a thing, 
and they're winning NBA titles and playing each other in the finals. And then you've got guys winning the MVP, averaging a triple-double, but if you're going out in the first or second round, it's not as special. Maybe I'm misremembering, but living in the, in the, uh, the 80s and in the 90s with the Lakers, yeah. it just seemed like, did they win? Stats just didn't seem to matter. It seemed like you didn't uh, get caught up. That, come on, it, it mattered that Kareem was the all-time leading scorer, and Magic's triple Okay, that's doubles. an all-time leading score. You and got it, me there. And it mattered that Magic had all those triple-doubles. I don't, but I don't. Uh, Chick always made a big deal out of it. Big deal, but it didn't okay. seem like it was a big deal. But it was all what Chick made me. Did it? it was, did they win? Yes, and see, that's the thing is, like, winning is like it's a with you know it's always food with me. Winning is the turkey at Thanksgiving. Now you want all the other stuff too. You want the stuffing and the salad and the cornbread and the whatever else, whatever your own family special tradition is. But you got to have the turkey. You got to have the winning. You gotta have the winning. I mean, I agree, and it just seemed like Magic was. Did they win? I can tell you, you won five titles. I can't tell you how many friggin'. I don't have any triple doubles yet either. No, nope. I come from a different generation than you guys. Growing up, we heard about how legendary the performances he had, and triple doubles were part of that. Right, but he didn't have a triple double and lose to Philly in Game Six. Yes, he won. Yeah, he won. He won. The Correct. centerpiece is always. The winning. Did they win the game? Right. But then after you get it, so why did they win? Magic had another triple-double. Magic's awesome. So 8 o'clock tonight for that. Uh, college basketball news breaking just in this hour. Utah State's games with Wyoming this week have been called off, COVID stuff. So they're going to miss three in a row here. And they got Boise State next week. Uh, so Scotty was talking uh, after Fresno about how they have – a week at the end of the season, they've got a, they've got some time to make up some games, but uh, the Aggies think are going to have too many games to make them all up. So, well, it's like it's a and it's a big deal to him because he really cares and that's his job to broadcast the games. But uh, you know, they're so they're only going to play one game in three weeks and they play Boise. Well, BFD, I mean, they're not alone. There's been plenty of teams who've been in this situation here, and does it suck for them? Sure. But, uh, you know, I'd have to go looking through the schedule. Did they benefit from any teams having games postponed? Is it just a negative? I mean, there's been so many teams, so many games missed that, uh, yeah, each one of them stink. But I don't, I don't want to hear it. Uh, oh, they, they didn't have the continuity, this or that. Yeah, I got it, as it is for so many teams who don't have it. It stinks every time, no matter who you are. San Diego State had that week where they didn't get to beat up on New Mexico, so they were missing the continuity when they played San Jose State. Is that a good example? Probably not. How about ASU and Oregon? You want to go with them? Yeah, those are two teams that have missed a ton. Yeah. Every time you turn yeah. around. Yeah, in the West Coast Conference, we've seen a bunch of teams sitting down. It's, it's been happening all over the place. And what just got called off? Was it North Carolina-Miami? Because Carolina play, had two Carolina two players that are party players unmasked, unmasked. A couple after beating of hours Duke before the game. That was yeah. last night. So there's another game in the ACC that'll uh, that'll be called off. So uh, the college hoops BYU loses to Gonzaga, 82-71. It's uh, tied for the second closest game Gonzaga's played all year, but it never felt that close. Gonzaga got out to a 15-2 lead. BYU never got within eight, and when they did, Gonzaga pushed it right back to 15. So you uh, you can slow down one guy at Gonzaga, PK, but another guy is going to go off on you. And uh, 
there's been a lot said about Kispert and his ability to shoot the ball, and he, four of ten for 13 points, nothing special. But but Suggs went nuts, and the 19 turnovers fed fast breaks and made it easy for Gonzaga, and they took control early and never let BYU back in the game. Well, Suggs is viewed as a top five pick. Yep. So he can do a little bit of everything. He's got size. He handles the ball and shoot decently enough. I mean, he's he's a jack of all trades, and I don't know if he's going to be a one and doneer, but it seems like he would. Seems like anybody who has an opportunity to play in the league takes off, uh, and he's just barely getting started here. To what level is he going to be a great player, or is he going to be a great player? He's already won here at the collegiate level but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be at the pro level. Uh, so they've got all the necessary ingredients, and I would like to see them win it. It would be fun to see the West Coast Conference get some stuff and get an opportunity to really shine. And it's just, Gonzaga is the West Coast Conference. Gonzaga might be the most dominant team in any conference in the history of conference conferences. Hmm. Uh, Kansas was the only thing that came to mind because they won so many conference championships uh, different this year. Well, Vegas in the PC2A Big West. Yeah, but Gonzaga, I think, uh, as much as UNLV won a bunch of conference titles, so that's a good comparison, the winning percentage every season, you know, UNLV would lo- usually lose a couple games. Somebody would take them down. And it doesn't happen with Gonzaga in that often. Season, BYU, yeah. get, BYU gets yeah. them, but uh, there aren't that many St. Mary's has beaten them, but I, I'll bet their record is better than Vegas's record in in purely in conference games. I bet they got a better win. And Utah percentage. had a run in the whack. It was pretty spectacular, the, but it wasn't this in long. Nineties, yeah. It's when you stretch it no, out it to wasn't. twenty years. You know these other league, these other teams, other leagues. You you can find five years, eight years, ten, maybe even twelve years, but not twenty. Now some of that is because the West Coast Conference absolutely sucks, but recently. I don't think it's because the West Coast Conference sucks. I think it's because it's Gonzaga being that good. UCLA would have must have had a pretty good run in the Pac-8 back in the day. Now you're going way back, but not for 20 years. 20 years, that's what separates it. I just Nobody does it for that long. Yeah. I mean, they, I mean you look at SC in those days, and well, they would go 25-2 and two <laughs> and not get to the tournament. <laughs> They had some pretty good teams with Paul Westfall and those guys. Gus Williams, Bill Sharman. But two losses to UCLA, so you're not in the NCAA tournament because in those days they only let only let one in. Yeah, that's crazy. All right, uh, anything else you want to pass along to the people here? Get them up to speed on. Uh, we didn't talk about it, but it was in the rundown. The Washington State quarterback being suspended with the DUI, you know, wondering if that would open up a spot for Cooper, the kid out of Lehigh. Now, a lot of times in those off-season suspensions, they come at the perfect timing. It's an indefinite suspension. In, yeah, and then, well, and the first game is until the end of August, beginning of September. We have 200 so days till the season. Old, yeah, a 19-year-old there driving drunk driving, or at least uh, was arrested and charged with it. He gets his day in court, so to speak. So I don't want to convict him ahead of time. That's not fair. That's not the point of the legal system, the way it works. But that's not a good situation. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there uh, following it. And we have a local angle uh, on, on that. We haven't heard Cooper transferring or putting his name in the portal. 
Yach seems to be all over that with uh, any kid who gets his name in the portal. And there's been rumors of kids putting their names in, but I, I think in order to transfer, you have to put your name in there. That's correct, isn't it? Yes, you have to go to your compliance yeah. department, tell them, hey, I'm transferring, give them notice, and then they put you in. But the, your name has to appear in that. Correct, has to yes. coach on that. Yeah, they have to go uh, into the portal. Yeah, and so far, there's a couple of names we've heard as potential uh players who could want to come home but their name hasn't appeared yet in that transfer portal so they're not transfer eligible and maybe they won't be maybe they will be i don't know yeah let me see, see what happens in washington state if that's just the convenient off-season suspension and there's plenty of time to go through whatever disciplinary and then bring him back as a starting quarterback more if they move on to somebody else's starting quarterback See how that plays out for Washington State. All right, there you go. That's a lot of what we have been talking about. And uh, Shohei Otani, two years, eight and a half million. Think he's ever going to be the two-way player, PK, or he's just going to be a hitter now? The arm stuff. I never thought he was that. going to be. Yeah. I mean, I never thought that he would be that player, and there, we've never had that. Even Babe Ruth, obviously, transferred over to exclusively as an outfielder and as a hitter. So. There's plenty of guys who, of course, they were pitchers in high school or even college, and then they have to decide which way you're going. So I never really thought that he was going to be the one the exception yeah. to what, um, I mean, several great, great American, and doesn't even necessarily have to be American, international players were, but then they're not when they get to this level. So to me, I didn't know which one it was going to be. Now he's had all this arm trouble, so the decision is sort of being made for itself. Uh, and and I, I just don't think that you can do both and be at your greatest at both. I mean, no one's ever done it, and so he was going to do it. I suppose somebody might do it down the line. Uh, but maybe you can see as a not as a starting pitcher, you know, maybe as a spot guy, get this guy out here or there type of deal. Well, he it's uh, he was the one who seemed to be coming closest to being that one outlier who could try and pull it off. But uh, the arm trouble seems to have derailed that. But the Angels stay invested in him, giving him two years and eight and a half million, so he avoids arbitration and they make it a two year deal. So uh, you know. You just focus on baseball uh, here for hitting, the next couple of years. It, it, hitting in hard the major leagues <laughs> is the most difficult thing to do in sports. There's nothing else that is harder. And if you're not devoting all your time and talents to it, how are you going to succeed? I don't think you can. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Your feedback next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. It really doesn't matter what anyone around here says. Soccer is the number one watch sport in the entire world. Period. You can argue all you want. Well, no one was arguing that, but okay. Thanks. <laughs> it comes in from Ben. The point was the MLS players ratified the agreement. The soccer season was going to start on time. And the bigger deal is that we have been through so many delays in sports and it's entertainment and especially with everyone's stress now. You know, games, a distraction. Don't don't shoot yourself in the foot here. Don't 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 mess up the easy part of this. Play the games. And they gotta play the games. The season's gonna start on time. 
and they didn't. That was the point. It's funny when we have uh, people moving into Utah. No, 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 don't move into Utah. We don't want that. We want to keep what we have. But when it comes to sports, we want everybody to love what we love, and somehow that validates and verifies our fandom. So who cares? If you like sport, fill in the blank. If you like golf, which I do, and I like to watch golf. And But if nobody else wants to watch golf, or if it's not highly rated, as long as it's on to me and I've got the golf channel, hey, I'm good to go. So I think that's the one thing that people will get kind of bugs non-soccer people, is the other folks are just trying to always pump it. Just let it be. Let it speak for itself. It will begin speaking for itself in about uh, six, well, no, probably seven weeks. Um, so there you go. All right, you can uh, always send us audio and send us your takes. Grab your phone, use the app, use the open mic feature. You can send us the audio. No singing today? Kate took the day off, huh? Kate hasn't been with us this week mm-hmm. so far. So, right. Well, I think that he's right now he's mourning the loss of Mary Wilson who died. And as you know, Mary Wilson, you know who Mary Wilson is, right? I do because I read the news this morning, but okay. You don't know who Mary Wilson is? Uh, singer, music, right? Don't, don't look. Yeah, I'm not looking it up. Founding member of the, the Supremes. The greatest the Supremes. Girl group yeah. in the I'm trying to think of, of who the third one is. Music. Diana Ross, Mary Wilson, and who's the other one? I forget. And I'm not looking it up. Was there only three or was there four? I thought there were three. I could be wrong, though. Okay. It's before my time, uh, I might have... Florence Ballard. Ah, okay. There you go. See, now that wasn't before my time because my sister, who's uh, 11 years older than me, uh, I can remember coming out... Now that my two sisters shared a room in our house. And I can remember music coming out of their room. And my one sister just was an absolute Motown freak to where we went a couple years back. Uh, and my wife has relatives in Detroit, and she came with me on one of the trips. And we went to that Hitsville, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Motown deal in Detroit, right next to a funeral home there. Uh, and it was funny. They weren't going to let us in. We got there like five minutes too late for the tour. And I looked at the gal and all the people that were working there were all African-American. And I said, come on, man. I'm from Salt Lake City, Utah. Outside of Detroit, we are the number one market for Motown. <laughs> and she looked at me. <laughs> and it took her a second to figure out. And then she looked at me and she smiled. And she says, come with me. And she took us down a, down a hallway through a back way. And we joined the tour in progress. Nice. <laughs> Because <laughs> she liked my wisecrack there about how Salt Lake's in it. I still remember it took a second for her to realize, okay, he's just kidding here, but I like his attempt. And so she takes my wife down. Now, a point I'm making is that I just I bought a bag that had Motown for my sister, and I gave it to her as a gift. And she left it somewhere. I think they like to go. They like to go up to Laughlin, and she left it there. And she called and then went back to pick it up because it meant so much to her. So the Supremes are something. I'm talking as a six-year-old kid. 
I grew up with that and listening to my older sister play that. And so I love the Supremes. And so it means something to me here. And this lady, she passed, uh, what's today, the ninth? She passed yesterday, Mary Wilson. And the most successful Motown act of the 1960s were the Supremes. How about that? Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yes. I mean, yes. there's so many hits coming. I mean, that's why you named place Hitsville, obviously. Uh, I probably, sure. if you'd asked me, I probably would have gone with the Temptations or the Four Tops. But no, the Supremes. Uh, BYU, Ute. Are you guys more disappointed in BYU or the Chiefs for not showing up? The Chiefs. I thought the Super Bowl was going to be a really good game. I didn't think BYU-Gonzaga was going to come right down and give us a bunch of drama at the end. Uh, disappointing that BYU got you know run off the floor there in the first few minutes and, and could never get closer than eight. But I, I thought the Chiefs that. and the Bucks. I thought we were going to have some second-half drama. And it was pretty clear by halftime, uh-oh, <laughs> might have a problem with that whole second-half drama plan. Yeah, I never thought that the Chiefs would not score a touchdown. Exactly. And yet, there it is. They didn't. So yeah, Chiefs for me. Chiefs more disappointing than BYU there. Just because they had more expectations. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Hans and Scotty are coming up next right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.